Let's look at John 1:29, our text through all of Lent as we build toward Easter. It says, uh, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, here or behold is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child can understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, your preacher. On me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. Be seated. It's really good to see you today. Uh, I meant to do this at the prayer time. Uh, welcome Paul from Detroit Rock City. He's with us on the drums today. Will you do that? Will you welcome him being here? And uh, we, are, we are grateful to have Logan with us. Logan's been really sick this week. And so I, uh, I've been calling him Lazarus today. So he's, uh, he's had the flu and strep combined. So we're glad that he's healthy enough and strong enough to be with us. As we focus on the Lamb of God throughout this area into Lent, uh, we're going to start breaking it down. We handled the Lamb of God in a little bigger version last Sunday, but today we're going to start breaking it down. Today we're going to be looking that Jesus is our Redeemer. The Lamb of God, He becomes our Redeemer. And you may not hear the word Redeemer or the act of redemption much, and uh, so you may not have a, a picture. I want to give you a biblical picture of this. Um, when we say that something is being redeemed, like you're, you're buying it back. It, it is a purchase of buying it back. It can have the picture of ransom, uh, like something is being held hostage and then there is a payment for the release, which leads to more terms. It is being let loose or it's being set free. Um, the, the picture in the Old Testament is it's having been chained. It's a picture of slavery. It is a picture of, of being imprisoned. And when you're let loose of your chains or you're released from your prison, it becomes a picture of deliverance. So the spiritual aspect of redemption is that we're in spiritual slavery to sin. And we're bound in that. We are, we are wrapped in, we're wrapped in chains, the, the chains of sin. And you may, uh, you may not get a clear picture. I'm going to break this down for you for just a moment. But let, let's, let's say that the, the chains of doubt have you wrapped up. Okay, like you, you're going to say, well, preacher, you're going to get on doubt here a minute. You, you know that I've doubted. Well, the psalmist has doubted. But scripture's never going to tell you to doubt. You all listening? You got that? You're going to say, well, I've doubted. Well, we all have. The psalmist expresses that a lot uh, of, you know, his wonder, is this going to happen or do you hear me? And it goes on and on. So there's doubt. But he's never going to tell you it's okay to doubt. He, he looked at some places and he said nothing's going to happen there because of their unbelief, right? And, and so really our prayer is, Lord, I believe, but help my Help my unbelief. He's never going to tell us it's okay to stay there. Even though when we doubt, he can bring great assurance to us. That's what he does. It's who he is. But it could be the chains of doubt have you wrapped up. Like 
it, it just becomes the lies of the enemy. Like, you know, God does stuff with them. He just doesn't do stuff with me. Or, or God cares about them. He just doesn't care for me. And then you see how that doubt can just wrap you up? It, it could be envy. The chains of envy it could be the chains of hate and anger. It could be the chains of selfishness and lust. It, 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 it could be the chains of greed. It could be a, a lot of things that, are, that have you chained up. I was talking to a friend. Uh, actually, he's not from here, but he's somebody that speaks into my life personally. And he has the right, I have about five or six people in my life that they can ask me any question they want. And I can them. And none of them live around here, but they're all dear brothers to me in my life and my ministry. And they do. They do speak into my life. And I do theirs as well. Uh, but um, we were talking this, this week back and forth, and we were talking about just life and Christian life and I said to him, I said, you know, here, here's a picture of how we can be. I'm not saying you are that way, but I'm saying we can be this way. Like, there's not a person in here that I don't want the Lord to bless. And you're going, well, there's nothing sinful about that, right? That me wanting the Lord to bless you, but yet there can be. Here's, here's where it becomes sinful. Is I want the Lord to bless you and I want him to bless the socks off of you. But really down deep inside, I want him to bless Julie and me a little notch above you. And sometimes we think we connive God by saying, I really have this kind of heart without him knowing that I'm, the shadow mission is really to be more blessed than you. Then I want to can't we be that way? I mean, you, you being blessed is not a sinful attitude, but the fact that you're blessed, but God, just remember, I, wanna, I, I, want, to, I want you to bless me a notch or two just above them. And, uh, I, you know, I want to be able to show that heart that I want people blessed, but I want us blessed. You know, the attitude of Scripture is this. I, I should think more highly of you than I do me. That's the picture of scripture. That's a kingdom principle. Don't think too highly of yourself, but put others uh, ahead of you. And that becomes the kingdom principle. One of my best friends, the guy that speaks into my life, is Steve Ayers. Is it Bowling Green? Uh, my son has been on staff. There's been some people here in this church that have been on staff. In fact, Logan's wife, Kayla, was on staff there. And uh, Steve and I, we've been tight for years. I mean, years. And so we, we, uh, we were together uh, in a retreat together uh, years ago. We made, a, we made a covenant together. We said, I'm going to always pray that God would bless Hillview more than he blesses Hope Church. And then he made the covenant that God would bless Hope more than he, can, he, he blesses Hillview. And we, we, we talk often, uh, our families are interconnected and the net weaving of our families are there. So we had that covenant back and forth. And so we, uh, we the BCM on, on uh, UK's campus, it's the Baptist Campus Ministry, what we used to call BSU, Baptist Student Union, uh, they were needing some chairs. So some of you all remember the, 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 the black chairs that we used to have in here, who they're not near as comfortable as these, right? And so Hillview was redoing their auditorium. And uh, so 
we got these chairs from them. They gave them to us. We gave those chairs to the BCM about 800 some right, right at chairs. I'm, I'm off the top of my head a figure, but we, we gave them to the BCM on campus at, at, uh, in Lexington at UK. So we blessed them, they blessed us, and we were down to pick them up. In fact, one of the guys that was with me to, to go pick them up, we, we had several big trucks to go pick these up. Um, he was there, so I was able to call his name in the first service. So we got done, I was thanking Steve, you know, and thanking Hillview for giving us these chairs. So remember our covenant, I prayed that Hillview be more blessed. And, and so let me give you some backstory. A few years ago, there's a businessman in their church that did a $60 million deal. That's great. He gave tithe one Sunday and his tithe was $6 million. And you're going, wow. But that's no different than you having 100 and giving 10, okay? That's, don't, don't, don't let the amount be huge to you, all right? Let the ratio be there. And so he had given the church $6 million uh, in his tithe. And... Uh, I, I thanked him. I thanked him for the chairs and for their hospitality to us, our friendship through the years. But part of the backstory is a few years ago, Steve has a houseboat on Barron River. He's a, he, he loves the lake. And uh, he was working in the hull of his, of his houseboat and there was a gas leak and he jiggled the, the battery, sparked it, and it blew up. And Steve was burnt 70% of his body flown to Vanderbilt. He's doing fine, but he's had about 30 surgeries. He even coded, and when he was in Nashville, uh, they brought him back to life. And uh, so he was recovering from that explosion and his burns. So when I went to hug him when I left, okay, we got the chairs, and I went to hug him. I said, uh, Ayers, I just want to give you a little reminder. You remember that covenant we had those years ago that I prayed to heal you? But I said, you got a $6 million tithe check. I said, whose prayers do you think are, uh, is the Lord blessing enough? And you got to know Ayers. Real quickly, he said, yeah, but Eaton, you haven't been blown up. I, and I can say that with laughter now, okay? I can say that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get, you think, Lord bless these people, just sounds so religious, doesn't it? But really inside your heart, it's I want, I want my family to be blessed a little more than others. Do you see how, you can see how that, that, that chain of selfishness can easily wrap itself around me? So the picture of a redemption of being bought back is that the chains are removed. The chain of anger, of doubt, of envy, what, whatever the sin is, it's, it's there, it's removed. And I wanna give you a picture of this in Hebrews 12.1. I want you to see this. A lot of things I can point out in this verse, but I want you to see in the very center, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily ensnares and entangles us. Do you remember when I gave reference to James all the time and I said, sin, we, we, we step into sin and then it gives birth to more sin? That uh, you're going, well, what's the big deal with my sin? If I were to sit down one-on-one -on -one with you, we would get in discussions. I, I bet you together, 
but following the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we could probably find some things that are habitual sins in your life. In, in other words, it's not that he hasn't removed the chains, it's you've allowed the chains to come back. You've allowed them to start wrapping around. And, and the Hebrew writer says, it, it so easily happens. The entanglement. I, in their early service, I, 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 for some strange reason, I love the, the movie Jumanji, but uh, you know when the vines started overtaking the house? You know, it started creeping in and just vines were everywhere. Uh, the, it, it becomes like that. Listen, we, though we're in Christ, that, the, the tentacles and the vine and the chain of sin is going to really try to ensnare us. And what you and I have to do is identify that, know that that is sin, and, and stay away from it. Like, I'm highly allergic to poison ivy, and turkey season's coming up. And usually I get it all over me. I'm so allergic that we burnt wood for heat growing up as a kid. And if one of the logs we were burning had a, had a poison ivy vine still on it, uh, I would catch poison ivy from the smoke off of that. That's how allergic I am to poison ivy. And, uh, you know, but if I got a big Tom working a ridge and I'm going to sit down near this tree and, and start working him and it's got, I know what poison ivy looks like, you know? because I know what it does to me, and I'm not gonna see this big pile of poison ivy and go, oh, the heck with that poison ivy. I'm gonna sit down here at this tree, and you're supposed to sit down at a tree that's bigger than you, and sometimes that's a little difficult for me. I just want you to know. So I'm, I'm going, no, nah, I'm not sitting there. You know, I'm not sitting there, because I, 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 I'm able to identify it and know what that is gonna to do to my life. And that's part of the Christian life, is knowing what sin looks like to you. What, what has affected you? Don't even overlook this. What's affected your family in the past? Ancestrally, what's affected your family? And then you learn some things that the enemy may have planted to ensnare you and to, to wrap itself around you. I just want you to see that it's a picture of wrapping around you, entangling you, tripping you up, uh, so that you're not able to run the race properly that is before you. So I wanted you to be able to see that. Look what Jesus teaches in John 8, uh, 31 and 34. He says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The chains are gone, right? Chains of sin are gone. We are descendants of Abraham. The Jewish people answered him and we've, been, we've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus responded, I assure you, uh, I, I, I assure you everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And the biblical picture of that is that the chains of sin are beginning to be wrapped around you. All right? It's a picture of that. I want to continue this picture. Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin has a payday. Famous sermon by R.G. Lee called Payday Someday. 
Uh, it is, he's preached it over 1,200 times. It started out as a Wednesday night devotional time, moved into this great series and this great sermon is copyrighted today. But it's got, there is a payday someday. Sin has a payday. Sin, if you'll notice the words here, pays you a salary and pays you a wage. It will pay you. We, we don't get off of it free. free. It's got a penalty. And the penalty is the wage that it pays is death. It's separation, isolation. It is, it is all those things that are there. And God said sin has to be paid for. God, I, I used in the first service where we as parents, uh, we can, when I was little, I'll just say that. I can tell you from huge experience. When my dad said, Jeffrey Lynn, wait till we get home, uh, he didn't forget that he told me, wait till we get home. You know, uh, my dad never chased me. He made me walk back to him, and the worst steps of my life are that last 10 feet. You know, my dad never moved toward me at all. And sometimes we as parents, we discipline our kids and say this is going to happen only for uh, 24 hours later, we've relieved the consequence. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. God says sin has to be paid for. Andrew, he was in high school. He actually tells his story, uh, and, uh, but obviously from a different perspective. And uh, he was doing some things, and I warned him. I said, son, I'm, you know, this needs to stop in your life, or I'm going to punish you. And uh, so the punishment was I took his car away from him for a couple weeks. And so uh, Andrew is on the weekend. I took his car away from him, and he's like... <laughs> You know, I just cramped his style, ruined his life, you know? And we can give in. I'm, I'm saying we parents can, can cave. We can do that. God doesn't do that. He said sin has to be paid for. So I stayed, I stayed with the discipline. And uh, so it was like Saturday afternoon, he goes, can I start my car in two weeks? No. He goes, well, the battery goes out. I said, well, you got to go buy a battery. Cars can't run without batteries. And so Sunday night, he goes, are you going to take me to school in the morning? And I said, no. Is mom going to take you to school in the morning? And mom would have snuck out and done that. I just want you to know. All right? I want you to know that. I said, no. And he goes, well, how am I going to get to school in the morning? I said, I don't know. You're on the academic team. You figure it out, you know? Uh, so he had to call some friends. <clears throat> Any, you know, is staying with it. God says sin has to be paid for. There's a penalty. And he's not going to say, oh, heck with it. You know, it, he sees sin as a rebellion of all that he has for you. He sees sin as something that is going to halt or block all that he has in store for you, right? Remember, God's holiness and Satan's sin cannot occupy the same spot. So he, he wants to work you. That's why trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. He'll make your ways, uh, you know, he'll make your path straight. He's going to show me where the poison ivy is. Then I've got a decision if I'm going to sin it or not. And we'll get to that in a minute. Because some of us know what is a rebellion against him. And we go ahead and we do it anyway. 
And we wonder, why do we not feel connected to him? Because sin is a dividing line. It is a wall that is built up between us and the Lord. It doesn't mean that I'm not related to him. It just means I'm not in fellowship with him. Okay? So you, you've got to get the picture. So sin's got a payday here, and that payday is death. It's that wall. It's that separation. But here's the good news. I, I'd rather preach this part. God sent Jesus to pay the wage, all right? And look at it. We go from wage to gift. Do you see that? On the, on, the, on the good news side of this, the gospel side of this, is that Jesus paid the wage for our sin of all that we're wrapped up in in the chains of sin. He paid that. He broke the chains. We live in freedom. And what does he give us? He gives us the gift of eternal life. And how do we get it? We get it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I... I Miss Carolyn, Michael's family is here and we had her funeral this week and her husband Davis is here and Davis told me he was gonna be here today and you are, it's good to see you. And at their funeral Thursday, at her funeral, I, I mentioned and spoke about eternal life. Guys, listen, eternal life was not Miss Carolyn's when she died. Eternal life belonged to Miss Carolyn when she first believed. I'm not going to get eternal life when I die. I already have it. it. It's a gift. When he died on the cross for me, and I recognize that he died on the cross for me, he broke the chains all of my life. One of my chains was abandonment. I, I had all the preacher kid junk. And if you're a preacher kid in here, you know what I'm talking about that God would call you into things and he'd let you go. This is the way I put it in my vernacular. Jesus would take you snipe hunting and leave you holding a bag, you know? That's the way I looked at it. I believe Jesus saved you and I believe I was gonna go to heaven, but between salvation and heaven, I believed I was on my own. And that's not true. That is a lie. He, he's interested in every detail of my life. And so I, I would allow that chain of abandonment to still wrap around my life. Like God's leading you, but I've got to find my own way, you know? And it's not true at all. And so when I surrendered my life to Christ as a little boy, uh, I, I, got the, I got eternal life as a gift. Listen, heaven's not my treasure, you all. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love every second of it. I'm gonna love it, but heaven's not my treasure. Jesus is my treasure. Jesus is my redeemer. Jesus is the one who bought me back. Jesus is the one who clipped the chains so that I could be free and forgiven. He's the one who did that. Julie's not even my treasure. Jesus is my treasure. And eternal life becomes a gift that he gives to every single one of us. I want you to be able to see that. But also know Satan, there's a payday for your sin day. Sorry, I've got sweat in my eyes. Uh, there, is a, there is a payday for your sinful activity. Satan will sacrifice you. Satan will never sacrifice himself. He'll never ever be able to do that. He'll, he'll never decide to do that. I often tell people in a common sense way, Satan doesn't even love those that love him. 
He will, he will give them up in a heartbeat. And here is a picture of our Lord who has come in and to redeem us and to buy us back. I want you to look at Matthew 20, verse 28. It's a picture, and there's the word ransom here. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, meaning he's redeeming us, he's paying it back. We even said it today, he paid it all. Jesus has paid it all. Look at Isaiah 61.1, our mission statement here at the church. Not going to read all of it to you, but look at the bottom half of it. It's a picture of the chains being released, chains of anger, chains of selfishness, chains of greed, chains of doubt, chains of worry, all of it. I could keep on going. Fear, chains of fear. The bottom half, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you see these next two? Proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners. The Old Testament picture is our Redeemer has come to turn the prisoner loose and to break the chains off. He redeems us. Now, I'm going to mess up your theology a little bit, okay? I want you to know that when Jesus died on the cross, he's not doing a business deal with the devil. This is not a commercial transaction. This is not the devil saying, I've got these people, and Jesus, you better die, or I'm not gonna turn them loose. It's not that kind of a deal at all. I wanna remind you that when he died on the cross, it's not a commercial transaction. I'm gonna repeat it again. This is not a business deal. It, when he died on the cross, he defeated Satan. He didn't make a deal with Satan. He defeated Satan. John wrote, and he said, Jesus came to undo the works of the enemy. Look at Revelation 12, 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah has now come. He's here. Because the accuser of our brothers being Satan has been thrown out. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And doesn't he do that? I mean, let me just, I say this a lot. Uh, if you're saved, Satan wants you thinking you're not. And if you're not saved, Satan wants you thinking you are. Okay? He just accuses. They conquered him. Him is who? Him is Satan. How? It's our topic through Lent. By the blood of the Lamb. The sacrifice on the cross defeated Satan and by the word of their testimony. What kind of testimony? Testimony that he broke the chains that were once binding me. He broke those chains and they did not love their lives in the face of death. They, remember, don't think so highly of yourself more than you do of the people we had earlier in the service. See, for those of you who are here Wednesday night, the gospel is power. It's not going to be power. It's not going to become power. It is power. And it is power. To, the testimony is that God has led me to this freedom. So it's not a business deal. It's not a commercial transaction. It's a love statement. When he died on the cross for us, it's a love statement. Look at Romans 3, 23, 24. I'll tell you what, I'm, I am, whew, I'm sweating up here. It's hot, okay? I want you to know that. 
Uh, Romans 3, 20, y'all preaching me to death today. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me stop there for a moment. Don't go saying, oh man, my day's already defeated. Find the poison ivy, do your best to avoid it. Okay? God will teach you what the poison ivy is, or I, I use that as a personal illustration in my life. And uh, avoid it. He'll show you. He'll make you pass straight. He'll, 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 he'll work you around. So don't just give in to, I'm a sinner and I'm just going to go on and sin. Remember, it's going to give birth to more and more sin. It's going to do that. Uh, but we fall short. And you're going, well, I don't understand. The, the picture here of all have sinned is a picture of an archer. And he's shooting at a target. And the archer shoots and the target falls short, or the arrow falls short of the target. So it's stuck in the ground. And then let's just say that, that TV screen that you can't see, that I can see, is the target. And the arrow sticks in the ground here. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus comes in the gap of our lives where we fall short of the glory of God and the target is the glory of God. And he stands in between the distance that is short and he reconciles. He becomes the connecting piece between our life and a life with the Father, okay? And that's what he does. Now, are some of us, are our gaps maybe a little more than others? Probably. But it's go-go gadget, it's go-go gadget arms, you know? I mean, it's the Lord can reach all the distance he needs to reach. Has he gone deeper for some of us than others? Yes, but he still goes that place. You know, and it's, he, we, we've all sinned. Don't just give up and go, well, heck with it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sinning, I just might as well continue. No, 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 it leads to death and separation. Don't do that. They, they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice the word freely. It's the, it means gift. Notice the word grace. Man, he loves us in an extravagant way. And here's the picture and the topic we're on is redemption. He is buying us back. I, 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 he, he sees the price that he needs to pay and the price is his own life and he buys us back. Look at Romans 5, 8, 9. He desires to rescue you. But God proves his own love for us. There's this love relationship. This is the love story. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved uh, through him from wrath. Remember, God says sin's got to be punished. He's not going to be like we do with our kids and say, okay, you know, the, 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 the grounding is over. I'm cutting it short. No, it's got to be punished. And he knew it had to be punished. And that through him from wrath is Jesus took on the wrath of God for our sin. It wasn't a business deal with the devil. It was he took on God's wrath. And let me tell you, Jesus knew the wrath of God. That's how much he loves us. He knew what it would cost him. And he went ahead and he paid it anyway. He has a desire to rescue you, to redeem you in the sacrifice. So our sin is a rebellion against God and the penalty has to be paid. Look at Galatians 3.13. It goes on to say what he did here. He took on the curse. Christ has redeemed. There's that word. He's bought us back from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
because it is written, everyone who hung on a tree is cursed. I say this a lot to people in my individual counseling with them and in sharing my faith. He was willing to look bad so that you and I could look good. One of the songs that I love to hear is, he gave his life so I could have mine. And you just need to see that. There's a love relationship there with him of what he wants to do. Psalm 19, 12 through 14 is where I want to begin to leave you with today. And if you think the sermon is going to be over real short, that's not true. But we are getting close to the end, okay? Um, let me read Psalm 19 for you in the psalmist write, Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed from blatant rebellion. And... Uh, Verse 14, I would love for you to use this during Lent. Uh, let this be a part of your prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, Lord, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. If you'll go back to verse 12, Kim, the two, two sins are mentioned here, unintentional sins and willful sins. Uh, when I was growing up in the church, I learned them as the sins of omission and the sins of commission. Did anybody else learn them like that with me? And, and, the, and the, the, the unintentional sins would be basically sins of omission. And then the willful ones that he talks about later on in verse 13 can end up being sins of commission. You're going, what's the difference? I'm going to tell you the difference. And then at the end of it, you're going, well, there's no difference. There is a little bit of a difference. Sins of omission are me knowing the right thing to do and just refusing to do it. It's James 4. He who knows to do good and doesn't do it to him, it is sin. It's just, it's just knowing the right thing to do and just going, eh, you know, I'm not going to do it. The sins of commission are just willfully doing the wrong thing. Omission is I'm not doing the right thing and the sins of commission are, I know that's poison ivy, I'm gonna set in it anyway. You know, I'm, I'm gonna do that and then me fussing about it getting me when I know I'm highly, I'm highly allergic to it. So you see omission is I've not done the right thing and commission is I'm willfully doing the bad thing. But I'll help you out if you're going, there's not much difference in that preacher. There is a little, but let me, tell you, let me show you how the psalmist just wrapped it up. He said, don't let these two sins rule me. You see that? Don't, don't let them rule, which is like, don't let, it, don't let those chains wrap me up. Don't let that happen to me. Uh, even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, keep us from temptation. And Jesus promises in Corinthians that every temptation that happens, he gives you a way of escape. It's just we don't take it. And for most of the guys in this room, that's my tribe, that means most of us just need to run. <laughs> You know, we're, we're, we just need to leave. If we left, we wouldn't have as much sinful chain wrap in our lives. If we, just, if we just left the situation we were in, don't let them rule over me. He said, then I will be innocent and cleansed. And he just puts them both together. Even though he mentions them separate, there in the line, he says, it's just blatant rebellion. It's blatant rebellion against the Lord. Uh, the, the psalmist knows that they can rule over our life, but he knows it's rebellion. I want you to see in verse 14, though, in this prayer, which I am encouraging you to use this prayer during Lent, is how the mouth and the mind and the heart are working together for good. 
Uh, it says, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, and even the thinking process be acceptable to you, O Lord. Listen, most of our problem is my mind and my mouth don't work together very well. Amen. They're not on the same page. And it's saying it needs to work in a, in, a, in a beautiful harmony here together. And he says, you are my Lord, which means you are my master. You're my treasure. You're my rock. Some of us will think the solid part of our life is us. It's not. The most solid part of your life is him. You're my rock. And then it says, you are my redeemer. And I want you to look at that word redeemer for a moment. This is the part of the sermon that's that I think is for me. Maybe it's for you. I don't, the, the Holy Spirit preaches a hundred more sermons than mine. But in the Old Testament, there are three words for redeemer. They all mean something differently. One of the words means an animal sacrifice. In other words, we pay it back by having an animal sacrifice. One of the words that's used is, it means your kin, your family. And in other words, I'm, I'm buying you back because you're family. And the third one that's used in the Old Testament means it's just a religious ritual. It, it, can, it can be a ritual that's meant from the heart or it can be a ritual that's empty. In fact, God, God does say some in the Old Testament, I hate your empty rituals. There's just nothing there. You're just, you're just hypnotized. You're just going through the motions. So one's an animal sacrifice, two is you're buying back family, and three is it's just a religious ritual. Which one do you think this one is? Pick door number two, okay? Let's make a deal. It's family. Here's the beauty of the gospel. Everybody in this room, we were once an enemy of God. I don't care what you, who you grew up with, I grew up in a preacher's home. I got, we have Bibles everywhere, you know? Pictures of Jesus everywhere, everywhere, you know? And, but it doesn't matter. We were all at one time an enemy of God. And you know what he did? He bought us back anyway. And you know what it did? It's the spirit of adoption. We were once his enemies and he made us his sons and his daughters. Isn't that the beauty of the gospel today? Is that it's family. He bought you back so you could be family. And he wants his own family who trusts him and loves him. He, he want, he, we're, we're, he's looking for a holy nation, a peculiar people, which I'd say that about most of you all, right? You know, a little weird. Uh, and a peculiar people, a, a, a royal priesthood. He's wanting his own people. And you know what he did? This is his love story. He took all of us who were his enemies and adopted us to become his sons and his daughters. His redemption, it's the middle one. It's door number two. It is, he did this so you could be family. Don't you love that? I love that. I get excited about that. You know, Job 19, 25. 
He said, uh, and I'm not going to sing the song, by the way, okay? It's the, you know the song, My Redeemer Lives? This is where it comes from. Job said, but I, I know my living Redeemer. I know my Redeemer lives, and he will stand on the dust at last, which means he'll be the last one standing on earth. And I have people throw me all their belief systems all the time and different people who are the central part of their belief systems. And I hear them. But you know what I tell them? Listen, at the end of it all, my Redeemer is the one who will be standing. My Redeemer is the one who will stand on earth. My Redeemer will outlast anybody that you put your faith and trust in. My Redeemer lives, and he will be the last one who will stand on the earth. Know that. Feel that in your bones. 2024, we use the word trust. Put your faith and trust in him because our Redeemer lives. Psalm 107, 1 and 2. You know this one too. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love story, his faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim it or say so may have been how you learned it that he has redeemed them from the hand of the enemy or the foes. Not a business transaction, not a commercial transaction. He defeated the man who wants to chain us for the rest of our lives. He has redeemed us from the hand of the foe and our redeemer lives. You're going to go, well, preacher, how do I maneuver this life? We've been saying this about 2024 as well. Uh, be faithful in small things, guys. Yeah. yeah. So this turkey season, don't worry. I'm not sitting in the poison ivy. Okay? I don't care if he's a 30-pound Tom. And if you're going, what's that got to do with it? That would be a state record. But uh, I'm not sitting in the poison ivy. If I see the poison ivy, we're going to greet each other and go our separate ways. Okay? Uh, so this do be faithful in small things. Just be faithful. Recognize the sins that have already plagued you. I'll just give you a quick one about Satan. A lot of us, he doesn't have to, if he's fishing for us, he doesn't have to change the lures too often because we've been biting the same lure for a long, long time. Just recognize those lures are meant to trap you, entangle you, and wrap you up and just learn to be able to avoid them. He gives you a way of escape, okay? And then know that the Lord wants to guide you around that. You're going, hey, preacher, I'm going to be sinless then. Well, I don't want, let's don't go that far. But the point is, wherever I fall short, he's always going to be in the gap, reconciling me to the Father. Is that not beautiful about Jesus? I've got, man, I've got like seven more sermons I feel like I could preach today. I know you want me to, but I'll let you go, all right? Uh, when you come to the table today, know that your Redeemer paid the price to ransom you. Not a business transaction with the devil, but to beat those sinful chains off of you, to clip them off of you and to see you're forgiven and free. When you take the bread, it represents his body and know that it was given to you. It suffered for you. When you take the drink, it's his blood. He shed it. How are we going to overcome the enemy? By the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. What's that testimony? He delivered me. He has delivered me. And he will guide me. So when you come to the table today, just remember your Savior 
and your Redeemer is alive and well. And thank Him. Say thank you for buying me back and for setting me free, okay? Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over our people today. We approach your table. It's not our table, it's yours. Your spirit and your church, the bride, says come. And we come today. We come today. All kinds of temptation. Some of us even will waddle down here in chains. But we come to say you are our redeemer and you live and you have bought us back. And Lord, I thank you for setting me free. Or you may ask him, set me free. But I'm going to remember you today. And I'm going to remember you as my Savior and my Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. We pray together. Amen. Church, the invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason, come. If you're new to our church, uh, you take the bread and the cup back to your seat. You can stay here. We're, we won't take it together, okay? We do that when we pass it out to you. But you're on your own. I'll just be in my place and take it. So bring it back to your seat. Have a moment. Be here in the altar. Have a moment. And remember him as our redeemer and our sacrifice, okay? So would you stay in church? Counselors, find your spot, if you will. They're here to be able to minister to you and pray with you. Team's going to lead us and you come.